Welcome to Beyond the Sermon. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. I am joined here today with Pastor uh, Will Harley from St. John in Maribel and Pastor Dave Endorf from Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And uh, they, they waved. So if you're listening to the podcast, they, they waved at you. Um, you with, can hear us wave? Yeah, they can hear you wave. The, it's the hand of fellowship wave. Um, I also smiled. He's... <laughs> they could hear that too. <laughs> the crinkling, you've never smiled before. So it hit the crinkling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today is the transfiguration and we have two texts today. We have second Kings chapter two, one to 12 and Mark nine, one to 12, the account of the transfiguration. So the Old Testament reading dealt with Elijah and the passing of the torch to Elisha. And the second reading for Transfiguration deals with the glory of Moses that was fading in the Old Testament as it uh, is a good opportunity for us to contrast the glory of Christ, which is unfading because it comes to us in word and sacrament and is always new every morning. Uh, so today to begin, we are going to use uh, this, let's see here, let's do... That's not that one. Maybe that one. Maybe that one work. You'll or or this one. There we go. So Second Kings chapter two, one to twelve. We're using the EHV version, English Heritage version. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah was traveling with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, "Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel." But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord is taking your master away from you? Then he said, Yes, I know. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were in Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord is taking your master away from you? He said, Yes, I know. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, As surely as the Lord... Uh, stay here because the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as surely as the Lord lives and as, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Then 50 men from the sons of the prophets came and stood and watched them from a distance while the two of them were standing at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, folded it together and struck the water. The water divided to the right and to the left. Then the two of them crossed on dry land. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask me for whatever I can do for you before I am taken from you. Then Elisha said, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. He said, you have asked for a difficult thing. If you see me being taken from you, it will surely be yours. But if not, then it will not. While they were walking and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire came and separated them. So Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha was watching and crying out, my father, my father, Israel's chariot and its charioteers. Then he did not see him anymore. This presents a uh, well. How have you guys on the right? You guys can do your pot shots as you're as you're uh, talking with me. Uh, the my theme is the Lord's the living Lord's work continues, and so the introduction was talking about when you're deliberating a call, the hum, the humble moment of realization that it doesn't matter whether you stay or go. The Lord's work is going to continue. So if you return the call. 
the Lord's work is going to continue at that congregation. And if you take the call, the Lord's work will continue um, uh, where you have been serving. And that continuation of the Lord's work it was the thread through the whole section that the Lord's work is continuing here at Emmanuel. So the three points I had of the sermon, I had a three-point kind of sermon, and one point focused on the prayer of Elisha to Elijah, how Elisha asked for a difficult thing. He did not want to be one of the sons of the prophets in those schools. He wanted to be have the same ministry of Elijah. And uh, the law there was, what, what kind of prayers are we praying? Are we praying for God to um, make our lives easier? Or are we praying for difficult things, that God would use us uh, to further his kingdom and, with a difficult thing? So that, would, that was the law, where we recognize that God's kingdom needs to grow, and, we, and the realization that we can be a part of that kingdom, but that kingdom also means it's going to be a difficult thing as well. So the law, and then of course the gospel there was um, not that Elisha asked for it because the only reason that Elisha could ask for it is if the Holy Spirit was working on him and the only reason why the Holy Spirit was working this conviction in him was because Christ did the difficult thing, uh, going to the cross. I specifically mentioned uh, when Jesus was offered the wine mixed with gall to deaden his senses, how Jesus did not want things easier. He wanted to take the full brunt of, of our salvation on himself, the full brunt of suffering for us. He did not shirk back. And because of that, God looks at us and says that we are like Christ, that we have these clothes. So that's what Elisha had uh, going backwards. Um, he had the clothes to say, I, I want this difficult thing. That was point one. Point number two talked about the call. And so Elisha says, I can't, Elijah says to Elisha, I can't give that to you. I can't give you this office, this ministry that I have. That's not mine to give. And so it was an illustration of the truth that the call seeks the man, not the man, the call. And then I fast forwarded, passed through, uh, went after this, when the cloak of Elijah falls down, then Elisha picks it up and he strikes the water with it. And in the 50, the 50 prophets, um, acknowledge that he does have the same call as Elijah. So that was where I got practical, where um, when we talk about vocation, God has called you to the vocation that you have. And the one vocation that I zeroed in on, because I only had so much time, was the vocation of parenthood and vocation of child. Like, yes, there's a human element for you to becoming a parent of a child, but the child that you have in front of you with all of its problems or difficulties, that was the one that the Lord has called you to. And the one who has called you to that is faithful. The one who calls you to that is going to equip you with the tools that he has given, mainly the word and, and sacrament. So the, um, the calling, that calling concept of God calls us to our vocations and the one who calls is faithful and will equip us to carry out those vocations. That was that second point. And the third point was uh, talking about um, Elisha's statement at the very end, where Elisha, uh, go, Elisha makes that explanation of Israel's chariot and horse and charioteers, that acknowledgement that Elijah um, was the real defense. His ministry of, of preaching the word was the real defense that Israel had against all of their enemies. And that's the word of God is our defense as well. So... That was the, uh, the third point. Um, so I had to take some time to explain you know, 
the chariots and charioteers, how Elisha was also given that title later on in his ministry that he was called Elijah's, uh, Israel's chariot and charioteers. Um, it's a better defense to find in his word than can we find in any earthly institution or means. So that was the sermon. So <clears throat> did it was a celebration of transfiguration. So was there a, a transfiguration connection um, that you kind of wove through there or, or were you just looking at the text? Yeah, I didn't really have one. I, I think I I've may have said something like, let's learn a little bit more about the guy who's standing up there on the mountain with Jesus. So, so it was kind of a background and more of a background looking at it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cause it, it really is kind of like, uh, yeah, it it to me it, it, this text explains why Elijah could be there on that mountain um, because of his um, because he was he didn't die he didn't his body didn't experience death and really both the Old Testament and, and the Epistle lesson really define the men that were there appearing with Jesus right so your the Old Testament lesson as you said defines a little bit about who this Elijah guy is and and this and the the hardship of his ministry in many ways and then the fading glory which is the the epistle lesson the fading glory of Moses uh, defines you know the the fact that people hold, held him in high esteem he was the bearer of uh, the law you could mm-hmm. say but yet that glory had faded um, and, and there's a greater glory now. So uh, there's that, there's a transfiguration connection there. Interesting how you approach the sermon though, because I think most times when you read that text, um, a lot of it seems like it's filling in the, just, just carrying the story around, you know, that there's, it's just a, we're really trying to get to the point of Elijah is taken into heaven without dying. (laughs) And, and Elisha is receiving, um, you know, the call to, to go on, but you kind of build that up. Um, I think that would be an interesting sermon to pursue. So I think you did a good job. The question down below with the sons of the prophets is really kind of an interesting one because they're there earlier, um, but they're not like commanded, but you know, it's not like the priests where God lays out exactly how the priests are to be, but the sons of the prophets, the prophet schools are there in earlier in the Bible, but then, they're mentioned. Amos uh, is mentioned as uh, in a connection with the sons of the prophets, and then later on, Elisha is interacting with these sons of the prophets. So, some sort of prophet schools, um, but not. It's early seminary. Yeah, like early seminary. <laughs> Which no, is it, it's kind of a. It was really interesting to think about that because when Elijah is thinking like he's all by himself and he's on Mount Horeb, um, and he feels like all the prophets have been put to death. He's thinking of not just, I, I don't know what he's thinking, but definitely the sons of the prophets would be something he'd be thinking about. And then now here at the end of his ministry, he's able to go and visit them. Um, and so you can see the growth of Elijah from thinking that he's all by himself to now um, enjoying um, this fellowship that he has of this, this uh, of the, the, the church that still is preserved, the, the remnant that still is preserved. And then also not only that, but also being completely okay with being alone. Like, Elisha, you don't have to be here. Um, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one. I know that this is, it isn't all about me. So right. I, really liked, I really liked that progression in the life of Elijah, which might be one of the reasons why I named one of my sons Elijah. Just might be, might be. 
Well, I mean, it's interesting. And, and when you talk about the sons of the prophet, you know, you notice the spots where they're in, most of them are in the south. So, um, you know, Elijah's fleeing, his ministry is in the north. Um, and, and so when he's dealing in that ministry in the north, it does seem as if all the prophets have fled. All the, there's no one left who's a believer in the northern tribes. Um, and, and you still see that the Lord has preserved, even on the, on the cusp of the northern tribes, the Lord has preserved this remnant of people. Also interesting enough to, to, to maybe see the sons of the prophets. Did you maybe do any study or look into it that, you know, this is the blessing that the Lord gave to, to believing families, that these believing families, these prophets that were called to serve in this capacity were having children and those children wanted to also do the same work. Um, what a great opportunity coming back into your calling as a parent, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you have this call as a parent and this call as a parent to help share your faith with the children. And those children want to do the same. Hopefully God willing. Dave. I, I like all of what you guys have been saying. <laughs> I think one of the, the things I have, appreciate about the text and, and the sons of the prophets and is that they all knew what was happening but they they drew different kinds of conclusions from it you know and so they're looking at elisha saying he, he's going to go to heaven so you want to stay with us you know you don't want to go there you know and and that that's kind of where you know, a lot of biblical or, or disagreements among Christians are, you know, it's not that we disagree about what the word says, it's that people draw different conclusions from it. And, and we got to recognize it, it's okay to draw a different conclusion, you know, and, and to end up at a, a different place. But as long as you agree on what the Bible actually says, <laughs> you know, and, and, and so Elisha wants to keep going. Elisha wants to be there and to see it. And he can say, yeah, this is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult to see him taken up into heaven. But I'm going to be there. The sons of the prophets didn't. That's okay. Well, and and you didn't, and they didn't know what God's plan was after that. And and that's, I, I, I like how you're approaching that where where they're like, you know, we have a school here. We have a place here where we can continue our learning. This is a good opportunity for you to do this. This is a valid option. Going back to the call, right? Um, he could have stayed and it would have been just fine. But you have that, that wonderful message of the Lord. I'm going to continue to do this, the hard thing, whatever that hard thing is. So, Yeah, definitely. And, and so when it comes to you know, different vocations and like parenting, for example, you know, how, how much do parents judge each other because one parent goes one way and another parent goes a different way. You know, you're both trying to love your kids. You're both trying to bring them up in the fear and the fear and admonition of the Lord. It, it's hard enough to parent, you know, don't judge each other. Don't make it any harder on each other. Yeah, especially when you have parents. Some parents send their kids to public school. Some ki- parents send their kids to a Christian day school. That's really hard to um, not to judge oh, what are their intentions behind that or 
or or their uh, priorities either as well. But we yeah. want or homeschool them. kids too. Same thing, you know, all, all in that category. Yeah, you know, and and ultimately, God called them to be their parents. Who am I to to second guess God's choice? You know, yeah. and in the end, and in the end, you don't have to answer for them. I mean, they're they're yeah. they're in in all vocational, and I think this is another thing that that's that's important. And when you look at vocational callings we're called into these vocations and yes, we're going to make mistakes because we're sinners and we, we repent and ask for forgiveness. But by and large, the decisions we make in the, in those vocational callings, we are accountable to as well. Um, and so, you know, the, the parent who says we're going to send our kid to the public school for whatever reason, they're, they're going to be accountable for that choice and for the lack of things that they may maybe put into it or, the blessings that come from it, whatever it is. And you see that illustrated in the text where Elijah, the prophets say this and Elijah says that, and then that's it. You know, they don't, there's no, no further conversations, no accusations going one way or the other. Right. Right. But sometimes we're afraid to let other people take, take responsibility for the choices that they're making. And we, we apply our, judgment upon it and it's not it's not our place to judge that um and we don't have to be we don't have to bear the consequences of the decision either mm-hmm. so I, agree. I think that's where uh not having kids and, and being single till i was so so much older uh really helped with marriage counseling and 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 talking with parents because it's like i have no experience i i got nothing so let's talk about what's going on in your life what what do you what do you need from me because i i can't tell you what this is not going to be any of my own advice this is just going to be straight what god's word has to say and that's it because yeah you have nothing to draw from so you you don't you can't say well we did which is and, and honestly, I think in a lot of counseling, when you do counsel, as a pastor counseling somebody who has children and they're asking children things, you do rely on, well, this is what happened in our situation, right? Um, and they, you draw from some of those things. And we're not perfect. I mean, some of the most troublesome kids are pastor kids. So, I mean. I wouldn't know. Mine are perfect. <laughs> ah. <laughs> don't you have furry children i no they're just dogs they're just dogs. <laughs> yeah. all right let's move on to the gospel lesson mark 9 2 to 9 after six days jesus took peter james and john with him and led him up a high mountains where they were alone by themselves there he was transfigured in front of them his clothes became radiant dazzling white whiter than anyone on earth could bleach them and elijah appeared to them there with moses and they were talking with jesus peter said to jesus rabbi it is good for us to be here let us make three tents one for you one for moses and one for elijah he did not know what to say because they were terrified a cloud appeared and overshadowed them, and a voice from the, came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of God, Son of Man, had risen from the dead. 
So since David is on the top there, Dave, why don't you go first? So I um, pretend I got cute with my sermon. I, my, my theme was uh, listen to the Father's voice because, you know, it's kind of a little bit of an inverse of the text where the Father says listen to the Son. And so I come back with listen to the, listen to the Father. And I talked about how we would like that feeling of being on the mountain of transfiguration. And, and a lot of what I'll, I'll hear from people is, I want to feel God's presence. And, and, and just as an aside, do you, do you want to feel God's presence? Because they're terrified. Um, but what we want to feel mostly is peace and, and calm and enjoy um and then whatever my camera is doing to make me go black out uh and and so i i pointed out that part of the reason we don't feel god's presence is we don't listen to the father's voice we we don't spend time in his word we don't um uh put it into to action in our life. We, we may hear God's word. We may flip pages in, in front of our face, but do we, do we actually listen and, and do what he tells us to do? And then finally, how much does the voice of the world overshadow what God's voice is saying? Um, you know, because God's voice is all about love and forgiveness and service. And then, We'll listen to uh, or or watch a movie that's all about uh, violence and, and power and control. And, and so it, it's no wonder that we don't have peace when we're not listening to the Father's voice. And and this is where you know God could see us. Use the illustration of a husband who's in marriage counseling because he, he doesn't feel like he's in love anymore and it, it's he just feels like it's it just happened you know and it's no it didn't just happen <laughs> you spent the last five years uh you know neglecting your wife going out with friends instead of spending time with her and 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 doing things that made her unhappy instead of making her happy and you failed you know, and God could see us like this neglectful husband, but he doesn't because Peter, James, and John are there on the mountain of transfiguration and God is getting them prepared to send out after us. And, and so this is just like in Psalm 23, when God says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of our life. God is preparing Peter, James, and John for the church to follow us all the days of our life as, as the gospel ministry goes out to the ends of the earth. And, and this is what the mountain of transfiguration prepared the early church to do. And that's why he has that message at the end, you know, don't tell anyone until the son of man has risen from the dead. You know, that's what he's doing with Peter, James, and John. You know, confirming that this is the Son of God who, who came to die for the sins of the world. But it was also 
the Son of God who came to die for the sins of the world, to die for all of the times where we didn't listen to the Father's voice, where we we listened to the world and we didn't do what God told us to do. Um, and then I went into some practical uh, oh, and then I talked about then is the the more the gospel illustration I talked about. So the the voice from the Father is there not just for for Jesus to hear, "This is my Son," but it is there for you. You are God's Son, um, and the the Bible also uses the illustration of the the bride of Christ. And so you have those two illustrations because the bride would join the husband to to work together on the farm in the same way God wants us to work together with him in his mission field, in his harvest, in the same way that the son would grow up and join the father working on the farm at the, the time of Christ. We get to, to grow up and, and join with the Father working in the, the harvest field. And so this is what it means to be forgiven. This is how thoroughly we are forgiven and made a part of the body or and made God's and made a part of God's family. You know, that that voice isn't just there for Jesus, it's there for you. This is God calling you his, his child, his bride. And so then I, I gave some practical advice about what does it mean to listen to the Father's voice, you know? And, and so I, I kind of steer people away from uh, just starting at Genesis and, and reading through to the end of Revelation. You know, if you want to do it, I got reading plans. I will try to help you do it. But if you want to just start out reading the Bible, um, start with the book of Psalms, you know, read a, a psalm a day, it, or start with the book of Mark, and, and read through the book of Mark, and and then read through the psalms. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a, a whole folder on my computer of different reading plans that I can give you about how you want to approach it. I've got a, a several different copies of the historic or the history parts of scripture all assembled together that you can get from the Wartburg project where it's it's just the the holy history all assembled together so it reads very much just as an account of this is how god preserved the line of the savior and sent jesus into the world to die for you and so find a way to listen to the voice of the the father because it's you're God's dear children. It's not like there's rules about this is how you have to do it. You know, go for what works for you. And if you run into a roadblock, try something else. Because you're God's dearly loved child. Find what works for you. Find what fits for you. All right. So what uh, about Will here? Yeah, it's a different um, that was a very different approach than, than kind of what I took. Um, my approach on the text was, was well, my theme was uh, grace when overwhelmed. Um, and so I, I kind of approached it by taking a running, a running leap at it. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of looked back into chapter eight of Mark and I'm like, okay, where were we? We were in Caesarea Philippi. Um, you know, what do people, who do people say that I am? 
and they're like, well, you're, you're uh, John the Baptist reincarnated, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets. Uh, who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. Um, and then he tells them, I, I need to be rejected and I need to suffer and I need to die and I need to rise. And Peter, who had just said, you are the Christ, says, absolutely not. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You have the things in mind of, of uh, men, not of God. And then I'm going to tell you even more, you know, just as I'm going to suffer, you're going to suffer too. And, and if you don't like to suffer and you don't want to take up your cross because you're ashamed to do that, I'm going to be ashamed to confess you before my father. And uh, that's an overwhelming moment. <laughs> Right. That that's 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 one of those moments in life where you're like, yeah, this is really hard. And and so I, I kind of started my entire sermon with a joke, um, kind of a joke um, of three men who get stranded on an island and, and it was a beautiful island and everything was OK. They were all friends. They all worked out well. And they eventually got tired of, of being on the island and they all wished for the things that they used to have. One wished for the family and and the children and the work and the other one wished, uh, wished for their um um, they wished for their fiance and they wished for, for the things that they had in life. And um, as they're walking, they found a bottle and they opened up the bottle and a genie pops out and says, I'll grant you each one wish. And the first says, I wish to be back with my wife and children. And I wish to be back at my work and poof, he's gone. And the second one says, I wish to be back, you know, uh, with my fiance. And I wish to, I wish to, to have all of these things and poof, he's gone. And the third looked around and saw the island and saw all the things that would need to be done for him to be able to get his work done and to be able to survive. And he got overwhelmed and he said, I sure wish my friends were back and poof. Right. Um, and so I said, you know, how many of us have had those moments where we were just overwhelmed? And I said, we, we spend our life there, don't we? Where, where life is just overwhelming and, and we have a hard time, um, working our way through that and it's hard time thinking our way through that. And then, and that's what makes the moments when we have that reprieve so special. And that's what the Lord gives in this transfiguration, right? We have a moment of reprieve where, where the Lord has just gotten finished telling the disciples what's going to happen. You know, that, that the Christ, the one that they've been following, who's been doing all of these awesome things, He's going to, he's going to suffer and he's going to, he's going to be rejected. He's going to die and and he's going to rise and they don't focus on the, I'm going to rise. They focus on the, he, he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And then, and then they hear, you're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to go through the same thing. And to them, that's, that's, that's a very hard moment for them. And, and it's overwhelming. What do you say to that? How do you approach that? Um, and so I, I kind of, I kind of said, you know, my, my law moment is when we're, when we're in those, those moments where we're overwhelmed, our sinful nature really wants to cling to the, the moments of reprieve. Um, our sinful nature really wants to take those moments. We want to freeze them in time. And we want to say, I'm going to live here um, because they're easy or at least easier. I, I have a, that moment where I'm brought up and I can breathe, Right. Um, it doesn't seem like all the problems in life and all the problems in the world are, are, are there to have to be dealt with. And so we, we can take that breath of fresh air, but I said, grace, the grace of the Lord isn't in those moments of reprieve. The grace of the mo the grace of our Lord is, is in the moments when we are the most overwhelmed. Um, and, and I kind of went from there to, 
to show Peter's reaction, right? He's overwhelmed. He doesn't know what to say. He's, he's frightened. What was he frightened of? He's frightened of the conversation because Moses and Elijah are talking about his departure. I mean, the, the subject is the same, hasn't changed. And, and so he says, I would just rather stay here. I want to stay in the glory. And, and God, the father comes and, and shatters that and says, listen, this is my son, whom I love, listen to him. And he looks around and only Jesus is there. And, and he's back in his humility. He's clothed um, back in, in, in ready to go and do the work for us. And he walks with the disciples back into the valley. And that's where God's grace is. It's in the valley. It's in, it's in when we're overwhelmed. And I said, and they're going to be overwhelmed. And we are overwhelmed. You know, as we walk through Lent, um, we are going to be overwhelmed with our need for a Savior. We're going to be overwhelmed with being reminded that we are sinners who have to have our sins go on to someone to pay for them. And that someone is Christ who walks with us. That is Christ who, who takes the cross from us and, and then dies upon it. So my, my entire sermon really was based around, around the idea of, of um, grace being seen coming down from the mountain. Um, and, and that's going to lead to, to us standing before, before the cross. And it's going to lead to us being taken before an open tomb. And it will lead to us being in an upper room where we will hear peace. Um, in all the moments that we are overwhelmed and all the moments that we are in over our head, um, God is going to be there uh, in his son um, with his grace and love for us. So that's the direction I took my sermon. A little bit different from yours. Right. And that's okay. Like you said, uh, you were you were basing yours off of. Uh, um, I I really liked how you based yours off of the, um, listening to God, um, listening to the Father, right? Because we hear listen to the Son. Um, so I thought that was was kind of really a neat take on on kind of switching that around. Um, because they first had to listen to the the Father speak from heaven anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that was kind of what I was I was going with was. You know, that, that here, yeah, that's the ongoing effect of transfiguration. But before you get to that, just <laughs> listen to what the Father says. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and my approach was, was really, let's look at, at that reprieve that they were given. Um, but God's grace wasn't in the reprieve because he was still talking about, you need to suffer, you need to die. Um, and, and in the end, only Christ walks with you through this and that's the grace um and you're going back down and and it's going to happen so and and that's why uh the festival of transfiguration is where it is in the the church here because it marks that transition from epiphany to lent where now jesus in his ministry is is moving on from that uh open preaching and, and teaching to the crowds to more training of his disciples and confronting the the leaders of the jews setting his face to jerusalem in the final confrontation his betrayal arrest and and crucifixion and resurrection yeah and it, and it, it amazes me you know um and i i didn't really have time to get into this but when i when i was planning the sermon i was thinking about it, it amazes me that 
you know, Peter stood witness to the glory of Christ, right? He stood witness to, to his divine nature shining through. Um, and yet he stands in the, in the inner court and he denies knowing Christ. Um, I mean, talk about when, when push comes to shove and he's overwhelmed, you know, Peter, Peter doesn't know what to say. <laughs> he, 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 you know, and, and, and then the grace, right. The grace of our Lord that clothed in his humility, um, shrouded in those things. He sees Peter. He's, he, he, he had already foretold what Peter would do. Um, and then said, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Um, I, I mean, there's just some beautiful, beautiful grace in those moments where, where we see if you protract it into the Lenten season, you know, we're overwhelmed. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. Um, and the Lord stares at us and, and knows, you know, and, and yet forgives. So. And the thing I always appreciate that is, is that with that weakness, he not just forgives, but that he, he makes use of that is he takes that, that sin and he, he uses that weakness to get people to heaven, to, to give them eternal life and salvation. And so you have somebody like Peter who, you know, was impulsive and yet that, that very impulsivity got people to eternal life, got people to heaven and salvation. And, you know, how many people haven't looked at, at Peter as he began to sink into the waves and said, oh, that's just like me. <laughs> I have so been there. And, and this is what God does. And, and so, you know, we can look at our own sins and say, yeah, I have sinned. I've, I am ashamed. I have guilt, but I rejoice that not only am I forgiven, but God's going to do these amazing things from them. Sure. And so when I stand with God, I don't have to be afraid because I'm going to have these glorious treasures to present to him, you know, not of my own doing, not of my own power. But I'm not going to be like Peter, James, and John on the Mountain of Transfiguration who were afraid because they had no glory of their own. But I'm going to have the glory of God and to stand with him. And that's going to be wonderful and amazing. Yeah, we had those conversations um, going through that. And, and, um, and I know that, that Pastor Rudat and I, we talked a little bit about it. You know, we talked about Peter's comment is that was that a sin what did did he sin in that and and it's like you know the god from heaven doesn't come down and say oh you peter why would you say <laughs> so but it's but it is the expression of the sinful nature in the sense that we don't we don't want what he you know the sinful nature didn't want what 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 was heard before sinful nature didn't want the suffering didn't want the death didn't want to go back to to the regular things of life. Um, like you said, it, the, the sinful nature wanted its own sense of glory, wanted its own little bit of, of heaven on earth. Um, and would it have led to, to gross, horrible sin? Absolutely. Um, but it was the expression of, of who we are by nature that says, this is better by far to be here than it is to be anywhere else because anywhere else is not fun and hurts and is disappointing and 
um, you know, Peter was married and he's like, I'm going to leave my wife out there and I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, we don't think about that. <laughs> I, I, I guess we don't No, Peter's no. like bachelor time. Yes. <laughs> Frozen pizza all the way, baby. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I wasn't actually thinking frozen pizza, but okay. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Fish sticks. Fish sticks. Fish sticks. <laughs> there you go. But but it's yeah. one of those things where where you know he's corrected in a loving way um, by the Lord who focuses him, uh, the, God the Father who focuses him back on on God the Son and says, "Here it is." Um, <clears throat> and and honestly, the the question that they ask afterwards, which was in verse ten is just a beautiful question because, you know, the, the point, I don't know if you follow, like I was trying to do, I was following it down. Um, you have, uh, Moses and Elijah there, but you have that question that, that was before I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And Peter pushes back. I don't want that. And then after the whole, um, Jesus says, you know, don't say anything until the son of man rises. In verse 10, their whole conversation is, what does that mean to rise? They, they finally start talking about the very thing he wanted them to <laughs> talk about before. He, they, finally, they finally get that opportunity to, to talk about it and say, what does that mean? So, well, And then you got a picture. Well, they've just seen Moses and Elijah. So, you know, now, now you have... Two questions. You know, Elijah is there. His body went up into heaven. Moses died and was buried. So you you kind of have a question of uh, what does this mean? Yep. Which I, leads us then to the question of why Moses and Elijah? Because and and this is kind of a, a soapbox of mine. I think too many people purely allegorize this and and say it's the law and the prophets and, and miss that. You know, they are there to encourage him on the mountain of transfiguration. And and that you have with Moses and Elijah, two people who had despaired of their ministry and God's people. And, and that this yeah. is something that, um, in a different way, because he was perfect and without sin, Jesus is going to face as he weeps over Jerusalem, is the the sheep scatter when the shepherd is struck as he weeps in the, the garden of Gethsemane as they can't watch with him in for one hour. And that, you know, that those are good reasons for them to be, be picked as well, but that ultimately we have to say, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I'll admit I was one of those in my sermon. I said, you know, you have, you have two powerhouse prophets uh, and, and I mean, you can't, you can't circumvent that, 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 I mean, Elijah is well known as a powerhouse prophet and, and Moses, I mean, he led God's people for, you know, what, 40 years. I mean, he, he is, a he is, he is like the, the old Testament. <laughs> a lot of people would say, you know, I mean, if you're going to talk about the old Testament, you talk about Moses, um, I, I do like what you're saying, though, and and I I guess I could have gone that route, and I should have thought a little bit more on that, deep, diving deeper into the ministries of both of them those men because they were overwhelmed, 
and 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 they despaired because of it um to some extent at portions of their ministry um you know Moses complaining you know these are stiff-necked people what am I what what am I supposed to do with them and Elijah saying I'm I'm the only one left and and my life is 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 ready to be taken from me and um I don't know what else to do and so he runs I mean and he runs after one of the greatest um victories <laughs> right you would think victory yeah <laughs> I mean yeah. he just got rid of the prophets of Baal he just you know the fire from heaven came down from a prayer um you would think this is you know I've got it yeah. um but then he he runs away and, and and I think as I say that, I, I would say that making it purely allegorizing, that it just stands for something else. Right. You know, saying that these are, like you said, powerhouse prophets, that, that they did these amazing things. And that there's a reason they became iconic, you know, and let's talk about the reason they became iconic. Let's talk about what they accomplished and and so what they share then and and can share with with Christ and and what it means that he was true man standing there on the mountain of transfiguration and they were pointing to Christ that their ministries even even now point to Christ right um i had a really good question and i i think this is a time maybe to bring it up i had a really really good question from from uh after i preached the sermon we went into bible study and i always say are there any, before bible study begins is there any questions from this week from this this morning's sermon Anything that you might have that that you would like to ask, and one of the one of the members asked me. I've always thought when I when I confronted the transfiguration, how horrible it must have been for Moses and Elijah to have to leave the glory of heaven to come back. And and he said, "What do you think?" I thought about that for a while. And my response is, and I'm going to throw it out there and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but my response was they never left the glory of heaven because Christ was in his glory and they were standing before him in his glory. He was transfigured. So they never left the glory of heaven. I'm, I'm going to tentatively agree with you. On that, <laughs> I mean, it, it's not like he took up again the free and the full use of, of his right. his power, or and I don't think that's what you're saying. But, no. um, but yeah, and, and in the same way, we would talk about the holy angels. It's not like when they appear that they are cutting themselves off from God and giving up the joys of heaven in the same way that we suffer here away from God. Right. You know, and that that's really what we would talk about is being away from the, the joys of heaven, right. you know? And so no. Yeah. It was interesting. I, know, I mean, no, I agree with you. Right. But I, I, it was a very interesting question to me because yeah, you know, and and then that led to, you know, the 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 two natures of Christ and how does that work? And and that was a much more deeper conversation that that we didn't have necessarily time to flush out. And I tried to to sum up, which trying to sum up the two natures of Christ is di more difficult than um, 
<laughs> you think it would be uh, for a 10 minute time slot <laughs> or less. Uh, but we had, we had a, a decent opportunity to at least approach the subject and, and introduce it so we could talk about it more at a future date. But uh, no, it's, I think it is a good question that sometimes we don't, we don't think of those things and, and maybe it's our own people, maybe it's our own sinful nature, maybe it's life and it gets in the way, but, but sometimes we don't look at the scriptures and think deeply into them, um, which I think was the good encouragement that you gave in your sermon very, very well, thinking deeply into the encouragement of the scriptures, right? Here's, here's a Bible plan. And if you get stumped, you know, try a different one. (laughs) And, and that's a good way to go. You know, let me help you. Um, I really liked in the old Testament um, when, when Dave was preaching his sermon, bringing up the vocational call, right. And, and what we have as, as the beautiful opportunity to engage in godly things in the vocations that we've been given. Um, and that there's no wrong answer to those vocations um, as we get to engage in those godly things. Um, and being overwhelmed is all right. You know, every in a sinful world, we are overwhelmed. And so we have Christ um, and we listen to him and we can block out, hopefully with the help of the, the, the Holy Spirit, we block out everything else um, and, and focus on that voice. Um, so th- I think those were really good, good transitions for transfiguration. Because now we enter in Lent. And Lent is an important season. Nice. So, yeah. um, as we go forward, I think we have uh, uh, Beyond the Sermon next week. Um, we'll be doing the, the first Sunday of Lent, so we'll get to gather for that. We have this Thursday, um, What's the Difference Anyway? We're discussing the eight doctrines that... Um, divide the church and the doctrine that is up is sanctification. So we, we just got done talking about justification and a good conversation about that. And we'll be talking about the doctrine of sanctification uh, here on Thursday. So you can join us for that conversation and any other words that you'd like to leave our people before we, we have a chance to head out. No, I feel like we've covered it. There we go. As well as I can think of. There we go. And um, we thank Dave, Pastor Dave Rudot. Um, I think he had some issues with, with the mic and it was doing some feedback. And so uh, um, we thank him for jumping on. I would want him to be back on Thursday in good form to add depth and guidance. Otherwise, we're all over the map. Um, and so we, we need him back. He is, he's the man who plots the course. Um, And so we need him back for Thursday. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening and God bless.